Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hello, everybody. This is Hallie. Welcome to Ruined. And this is Allison, also ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. Uh, just at the top, uh, the next two episodes, I do not have great audio. I'm doing this from a different location than the regular old house with the uh, apartment with my microphone. So um, I apologize. I'm at my parents' house, which is super scary. <laughs> a scary place haunting. to be. Haunting. Emotionally yes, terrifying. Yes, yes, yes. The, the Scrabble tournaments and the falling asleep on a chair just through the roof. <laughs> I mean, not to examine the room behind you, but they do have sort of that border, yes. uh, which is, I, we had also that where it's like a wallpaper, but then like sort of a it's decorative just, border. Yeah, it's just some wallpaper, like a wallpaper hat. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Like. I remember in my brother's room, it was wallpaper and then like a little wallpaper runner of, I believe, ducks. It's like, I don't mm. know, just ducks at the top, sure. That's what kids like, right, ducks? Yeah, this one is a, a Southwestern in theme, so... Yeah, I'm in Maryland. Gotta. There's no reason for that. But <laughs> a little I think it was. I think it was like I chose. This used to be my room. <laughs> That's so but funny. Now it's just a catch-all office with like five printers and a non-functional TV. <laughs> right, like how know. you always kept your room. <laughs> yeah, you know, a teen girl's room <laughs> full of broken electronics. So anyway, apologies, but you know we're doing the best we can, and I'll be back to normal, Mike, um, very soon. Hallie, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. You you sound great to me. Um, I've been really enjoying um, this month, a Scream month. I've, I've mm-hmm. already seen Scream 5. Um, and we are, of course, dedicating the whole month to uh, bringing us up to the new movie, which we will do as a live show on Sunday, February 27th. And I'll tell you, I love this franchise. Every movie I love more than the last. Because I was yeah. like, ugh, two. I, I remember not liking that. I saw it, loved it. Scream 3, ugh, snooze. Loved it. I love it <laughs> so much. And it just makes me happy to, not that I don't enjoy the movies, we, you know, new movies, I obviously do. But it is like a warm bath slipping back into yeah. this, this, all of the screams. I so have I'm to really say, enjoying myself. After watching the original again uh, for the first time in like 20 years or something like that, I was like, I think I want to watch the rest of these. I have not done that for the posterity of the podcast. Thank you. Maybe after we finish recording this month, I will do that in advance of the live show for Scream 5 so that not only do I have, like, your knowledge, but also my own personal journey through uh, this franchise. It would violate everything this show stands for, but mm-hmm. I, I I support it because these movies are that fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that, honestly, rewatching it, there are a lot of parts where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what this is about. Or like, oh, I forgot <laughs> that this is connected to that. And I've seen all these movies, so I do feel like there's probably going to be stuff that I either forget or don't emphasize enough that 
will then be useful for mm-hmm. the the, yes. the new movie. Yes. Um, but actually, before we get into this week's, we would love to read. We have been asking um, you, our wonderful listeners, to leave us five-star reviews, but make them spooky, and that we will Ooh. read them if they are spooky. We have some good ones, so I'm going to read one now. <clears throat> this is from Colmy, and it's titled, She Wouldn't Listen. <gasps> Honestly, already terrifying. Already terrifying. As soon as I heard about it, I tried so hard. Oh, sorry. I don't know why I sound like that. Okay. (laughs) I became British for a second. Woo! Laughs into my British accent. My actual accent. It turns out I'm British this whole time. Oh, my God. (laughs) The big reveal. (laughs) The twist. Hallie's been British the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Like those, like, Australian actors who are really good, but then there's, like, certain words they just cannot say. Yeah, those, like, long R's. Um, as soon as I heard about it, I tried so hard to get her to abort. I knew it wasn't for us, but she insisted. She thought we could stop it at any time. I knew better. The longer we waited, the more attached we got. A parasite growing and taking over our lives. It's been months. She's obsessed now. I'm barely holding it together for the both of us. It's all we talk about. Our friends feel alienated. They think we've gone mad. Plenty of people have gone through this. Why is it affecting us so? Now we wait with bated breath, feeling for any nudge or twist, anticipating things to come. I hear a fit of nervous laughter in the next room. She's going through an episode without me. I run in and she turns her face to me. Guilt and shame crosses her expression. I'm so sorry, she whispers. My head involuntarily shakes. My lips purse. What's happening now? She reaches for my hand and pulls me towards her. I sit beside her on the sofa, and she leans on my shoulder. A bird left an imprint on Allison's glass door, she explains. (laughs) I realize that's it. They've hooked us. We are embedded in the cult of ruined podcast. There is no escape. We're in it for the long haul. Want to know how I know? Because all I could think at that point was, that goddamned bird. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for leaving this. The the language, the storytelling. I mean, what a what an incredible spooky review. I'm also scared and had forgotten about the bird for a second, and now I'm scared all over again from seeing it. So, thank I you. I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, mm-hmm. technically, part of you is always on the edge of the seat, and then the rest is in the seat. Yes, but part of me is on the true. edge of my seat. Yeah. Yes. Like the right. the bottom of my thighs. Yes. Well, that's a great one. Thank you so much. And please, if you you. have a spooky little review, please leave it. And, of course, a five-star. Yes, uh, five-star. Along with it. Uh, And we really appreciate all of them. Yeah, we'll read those. We've got more, so more to come. Um, And thank you for leaving that. Um, so let us begin. We, of course, uh, Allison ruined Scream for me, uh, which I've seen, of course, <laughs> yeah. but uh, did a wonderful job. And now I'm going to be picking up um, for the rest of the month. And we are doing Scream 2. And, of course, we always like to have Allison watch the trailer. And, Allison, what did you think of, about the trailer for Scream 2? I mean, incredible. It made me want to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's where we are with the Scream franchise. Also, like, I do appreciate that, like, None of them have, like, a title with, like, a colon and, like, a subtitle. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that we're just naming it. It's one, two, three, four, and then, I guess, not five. Just scream again. Um, But the trailer, I mean, she's in college. Sydney's in college. Beautiful. Windsor College. Windsor College. Wonderful. Stately stately Windsor College. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that 
everybody who did survive is back. I think that's, Absolutely. like, really key. Because, like, you get scared, like, of course, like, for the second movie, you know, after such a hit, like, everybody's going to want to come back. But you get, you know, I would I'd be worried about maintaining the cast. And I like that it's, I like that we're getting even more meta with the release of the movie based on the book that Gail wrote about the murders. That's Exactly. Yes, beautiful. the Stab franchise, which Stab. we are introducing. Um, I really, uh, I was sort of reading a little bit about the production of this, and they, I think they realized what a hit they had, mm-hmm. and they started production on the second movie six months after the release of Scream, the first Scream, right? in part because Nev Campbell was, like, party of five, like, she was blowing up. Yeah. So they're like, we have to shoot this right now to get Nev Campbell to come back, because mm-hmm. I'm sure she's like, I am the hottest person both literally physically and also and, right now in Hollywood, yeah, we got to do this now before I'm mm-hmm. I'm unavailable to you, you know? Yeah. And I also wanted to say that um, I the, the through line of the franchise to me is, of course, the relationship between Dewey and Gail Weathers. Like, they're yes. the only... I, like, I don't want to say I'm, I stand, but they are the only relationship I care about in mm-hmm. all of cinema. They have yes. great chemistry together. And as I was reading, so they, of course, uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette met on the set of the first Scream movie. They dated during the second movie, and they got engaged a month before shooting started on the third movie. So the first three movies are like the arc of their relationship, and I love them so much. And also it sort of carries through. We, of course, know that they are now divorced. And that, the arc of their relationship sort of carries through in the franchise as well in the later movies. And it, it rips my heart out. I'm like, no, not to put too much pressure on them. I mean, hey, whatever. We're all, we're all yeah, living your life. Like, but also, I'm like, like, I love them. them. Yes, I love them as I love a couple. Them so much. I love them yeah. both individually. Like, it's such a, like, opposites attract, you know, in terms of just their vibes. Um, They're it's, so it's, funny together. I love them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Scream 2, um, we also like to take a baseline scary. And this is hard because I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but I'm saying uh, but, <laughs> the Scream movies tend to follow a pattern. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. <laughs> and I guess, uh, Allison, I'm going to take a baseline. How scary do you find the concept of your high school life following you to college? Oh, I mean, I guess incredibly. I Did you go to college with anyone you went to high school with? No. Yeah, no, there not was a like one. one kid from my class also went to the same college as me, but it was like a large college. It's not like we were in the same like major or like dorms or like, so I never really saw him. So like, mm-hmm. it was like a fresh start. Yes. Whereas like, I have lots of friends who, you know, all went to similar, like the same colleges and therefore like you can't, you like your high school does come with you. But I, I felt very lucky that it didn't. But I feel like it's it a totally scary would have, Yeah, I definitely, for me, it would have changed my college experience because I know if someone I had known from high school, even if tangentially yeah. had gone to my school, I absolutely would have sought them out to hang out with them. Like, I'm the kind of person, like, I would take the comfort of mm. even a, a in-passing relationship. Mm-hmm. And who knows where that would have taken me? Perhaps into the arms of a serial killer. I mean, that's why it's good as it didn't happen. Um, you having seen the trailer and knowing what you know about the first screen movie, um, I will ask you in in a franchise which is all about trying to be w- the characters within the film predicting what's happening in the film. Right. My question to you, Allison, is: Would you like to guess the twist in Scream Two? Guess the twist. Oof. I mean, I think like the killer is definitely somebody she knows. Mm-hmm. 
But we know it's not Dewey or Gale, because that wouldn't really make sense. <laughs> um, and I don't feel like it's Jamie Kennedy, Randy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe someone else from Sydney's past. I'm trying to, like, remember. Because I do know, like, a touch about, like, some of the stuff that happens. But it's, I mean, th- that was because when it came out, I, like, begged mm-hmm. my friends to tell me. So, like, there's some, like, memory, like, is this the movie where Cotton Weary pops back up? Absolutely. He is in, he is, I would mm-hmm. say, if not the other lead. I mean, it's really, it's it's her doing Gale again. Uh, but yeah. Cotton is all over this film. Yeah. Something with him. But I don't think he's the killer. But I am going to guess he's involved. That's Great. my guess about the twist. Cotton Weary is involved. <laughs> Love it. Cotton Weary. Involved. Involved. <clears throat> So let us begin by ruining Scream 2. So we start at our opening sequence. Every one of these movies in the franchise starts with like a big, splashy, gory opening mm. opening mm. number, if you will. Love it. And we are at the release of the movie based on the book written by Gail, The Woodsboro Murders. Yes. And the movie within the movie is called Stab. And the Stab yes. franchise will also take us through the rest of the franchise so um, you were dealing with not simply is Sydney going away to college, but the movie based on the horrific events of two years ago, basically, is okay, so opening we're one this year weekend. Later from I want to say we're two years ish. later. I could be wrong because okay. I was like trying to be like it had to be long enough that Gail could write and publish a book. But and I guess they, they would probably be- let her turn that around pretty fast because it would mm-hmm. be like oh people are gonna buy this book, and then the movie would have to go to production. So I'm saying. You know, if she was, like, I'm saying she's a sophomore or something. Like, but it's it has not been four years. You know what I mean? She's still an undergrad. She's a theater major. So it, it has been a couple of years, but not such a long time. Okay, got it. So we are introducing not only the franchise within the franchise, but there's also a uh, something new to enter the Scream franchise, Black people. <gasps> in Woodsboro, the whitest town in America. The whitest town of all time. Here, we are at Windsor College. We have a more diverse student body. Mm, we, you mm-hmm. know, there's a college town. We have other people in the mix. Hooray. Unfortunately, they are going to wish they weren't in a Scream movie or a Stab yes. movie, of course, in right. the future here. But unfortunately, they are, and we're glad to have them. So <clears throat> we join a couple, Maureen, played by Jada Pinkett, not yet Jada Pinkett-Smith, and Phil, played by Omar Epps. And they are attending, it's a sneak preview of Stab. So it's sort of like the movie is not even out. It's coming out the weekend. But they got tickets to like this huge premiere publicity stunt put on by the studio. And there's like a huge like scream mask with like a big mechanical arm with a knife. And everyone Mm -hmm. who goes into the theater gets a full outfit. I'm like, the amount of money they spent on this. I know. But it happens. I mean, look at... Look at awards season. I mean, that's what gets that. Oh, happens. absolutely! <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, if I'm not wrong, and I, I don't want to get a sued, but I believe um, Emily and Paris, everyone of the Golden Globes um, reporters, which is why only part of the reason the Golden Globes is in the toilet. But yes. I believe they were all flown to France as part of a promotion yes. of uh, a for your consideration, which one would argue is morally and potentially legally wrong. Yes, but yes. so you're right. So handing out to all these excited like college students, they get everybody gets a full ghost face outfit. Mm-hmm. So as as we know, that's sort of the um, franchise nickname for the killer. The mask is a ghost face mask, and everyone mm-hmm. gets a cloak and a rubber knife. Okay, 
Maureen is very much the Allison of the couple. She's like, okay. this is disgusting. Like, everyone is, like, really horned up for this. The new Sandra Bullock is down the street. And they also have a conversation about the t- the historical whiteness of horror in yes. American cinema. Oh, and I do like, appreciate all of the conversations around movies that happen in these movies. Yeah. And she says, you know, I just sum up, stab. It's a dumbass white movie about some dumbass white girls getting their white asses cut the fuck up. And in her defense, that's absolutely what these Absolutely true. And Phil's like, oh my God, you know, like horror gets the adrenaline up, you feel alive. And come on, like what? There's no Sandra Bullock that's all, like she's like, she's Miss Ethnicity or whatever. And, you know, Maureen's like, no, but I mean, you can't, you can't ignore sort of the historical ignorance of the genre when it comes to black people. And, and again, this is our meta conversation about the movie. And now they are black people within the franchise, um, unfortunately. And they are the first two characters remaining. Um, Mm. So when they go in, it is like, um, they're like, it's sort of supposed to be parroting like how uh, in the, sort of uh, historically 50s, like you'd have like these like horror movies would come out and they would do like stabovision. So like they, yes. they have a light that shines and so everyone's rubber knife glows green. And they have like a, a ghost face, like a mechanical ghost face that like flies over the theater. So as a result, everyone is like up, like reenacting the movie. It's sort of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, yeah, Versus yeah, yeah. Okay, an actual great, screaming. Right, right. Yeah. People are throwing things, screaming at the, you know, um, screen, throwing things. So there's a lot more mayhem, which is unfortunately going to cover up the actual mayhem that is happening in mm. the theater. And I want to ask you, have you ever attended a really rowdy screening of anything? There was one time I saw, it was one of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Maybe it was like the first one. Um but it was a packed theater like the weekend it came out. It wasn't like a premiere or like an event, but it was just kind of a rowdy screening right. of a movie. Um, and uh, it was pretty wild. There was a baby crying and then there were people screaming about the baby crying and yelling, fuck you. And like, all, so it was, oh I mean, God. it was pretty exciting. Um, and the person behind us had a plastic bag of candy that they kept at very quiet moments, crinkling really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's rowdy to me. The only one I ever saw was Magic Mike 2, and that was like a a, a press screening that I saw to potentially write something for Vulture. Mm. And they had hired, like, male strippers to attend, but they weren't, like, dancing. They were just, like, there, you know? (laughs) But women were screaming. They were, like, people had, like, boas, like, hoot and hollering the whole time. So that was really fun. That is fun. So finally, we get in there. So Maureen's like, oh, I, I, okay, you want to go? And Phil's like, we got free tickets. We got to stay and watch. So they sit down, and finally the movie begins. And Robert Rodriguez, in a, again, another fun element, he directs the scenes of the Stab movie that we see. So we have a different oh, director directing within yeah. the movie within the movie. He has a little bit of a different, a different look. Director? In the movie, Heather Graham plays Casey, Drew Barrymore's character from Scream. <laughs> and so I'm going to refer to her character as Stab Casey because okay. I don't want her to, I want to differentiate her from the actual living Casey yes. who exists in the world. So everyone's cheering, and Heather Graham, because it's a movie, of course, she's about to get in the shower, so she drops her robe, which, again, didn't happen in the original Scream, but... Nope. And everyone's screaming, and Maureen's like, what does this have to do with the plot of the movie that she has to be butt-ass naked? And, you know, Phil's like, I don't know about plot, but I know that I'm really enjoying this. She's like, well, you better loosen up that wrist, okay? And that's why we're here. In the movie, the phone rings, and Casey, stab Casey turns, and she puts on her robe, and everyone's like, oh, no. And... This is when we start evoking the cliche about black people, which is them shouting during the movies. Yes. 
but it's also like the best part of this. So Maureen screams, um, hang up the phone and star 69 is ass. And everyone just types <laughs> to shush her. But everything Aww. she's writing is like, get out of there, like actually good advice. Right. Um, that well, unfortunately star 69, she, a different era. Oh, and there's so in, in both Scream 2 and Scream 3, so much star 69ing, so much explaining things that like, Unfortunately, we now live in an era where I feel like we've made it even easier for Ghostface yeah. to do some of the stuff. Like yeah. in Scream 3, which we will, of course, do next week, he basically invents like deep fake like phone oh. recordings. Okay. And I'm like, dear God, <laughs> we've given the serial killers too much technology. Oh, we but have. in this case, we have just a Star 69s, a lot of cell phone back and forth. Mm-hmm. And Maureen's like, Maureen's like not enjoying this and she's kind of terrified already. So she's like, I'm going to go get popcorn. She goes out and she is in the line, and she hears two girls behind her, and one of them's like, I want to leave, I don't like this. And then one says, oh my God, you're being chicken shit, and this is just a movie. And the girl says, no, it's actually based on a real thing. There was a bunch of uh, teenagers that got killed a couple years ago, which Maureen is like, oh great, now it's based on a real story, which obviously we know from the movie. In the meanwhile, Phil goes to the bathroom, and Maureen heads back inside with their snacks. Just as Ghostface starts to attack Casey on scream, and, like, everyone's is, is, like, howling. Like, people are up, mm-hmm. like, running up and down, like, re- like reenacting, like, the chase sequence from the original mm-hmm. Scream movie with, like, a blonde woman, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, Phil goes into the a stall to pee because there's, like, too many ghost faces all standing at the urinal, which is a funny visual. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> Allison, in the trailer, and I've never known what was being whispered, but I had the closed captions on, like, when I was watching it. And what he hears a little voice in the style next to him says, I didn't, I didn't mean it. I swear I'll be good. Please don't, Mommy. I'll tell you why I did it, Mommy. So Phil, reasonably enough, is like, that doesn't sound good. And he Mm-mm. puts his ear to the stall divider. <sighs> Allison, a knife stabs through the wall of the stall it into the side of Phil's skull. Oh, he has God. to pull himself off the blade. <gasps> blood pouring out of his head and mouth, yeah. and he immediately collapses, like, into the into the stall. Maureen doesn't yeah. know any of this is happening, okay? Oh, my God. So she's in the movie Gina. theater, you know, w- watching through her fingers, screaming, yes. run, like, get the hell yeah. out of there. When suddenly, someone who she presumes is Phil, but is now dressed in the ghost face outfit, comes and sits next to her. Oh, no. And Maureen's like, oh, my God, you came back right in time. It looks like she's about to get it. Of course, the menace. The Casey on screen is about to get it. Maureen, I got bad news. You are about to get it. Mm. Just as everyone screams as Casey's being stabbed, Maureen grabs Phil, who she thinks is Phil's arm, and then she pulls her hands back, and they're covered in blood. And she looks at him, and the ghost face, who's obviously not Phil, right. takes out an actual knife and stabs <gasps> her in the stomach. <gasps> However, the audience is so loud and screaming that, like, mm-hmm. Maureen screams just get drowned out. So she yeah. gets up, and she's... And already coughing blood, so, like, it implies, like, she can't even speak. Like, she's right. fumbling around. But everyone just thinks it's a publicity stunt or it's part of it. Like, they're, like, reenacting what's happening. Oh, Everyone's, like, cheering God. and stuff. No. And he, uh, you know, unfortunately, Ghostface stabs her, like, six more times. And she's he's sort of, like, driven to the front of the theater just because there's so many people in the aisle. And she gets up there, and it's only when she's in front of the scream that everyone like, realizes it's real yeah. and starts, like, taking, qu- falls quiet, starts taking off their masks, like, going to help her. She collapses. Maureen's dead. Yeah. Cut to the title card. Scream 2. Oh, man. They really know how to open a movie. It's so good. It's so it's terrifying. So 
And so we find ourselves on the uh, beautiful grounds of Windsor College where <laughs> Sydney Prescott wakes to the sound of her telephone ringing. She answers it. It's, of course, Ghostface. And oh, he's gosh. like, what's your favorite scary movie? And she's like, who's this? And he says, you tell me. Luckily, we have a, some te technological advances so she can look at her caller ID and say, mm. it says Corey Gillis, and here's your phone number. And he's like, oh, shit. And he's like, and Sydney tells him, just so you know, threatening calls like this are a criminal offense. Nice. So I'll just go ahead and write down your name and number, and the guy hangs up. Okay, perfect. Sydney's roommate, Good. Haley, who was played by Elise Neal, who was recently in a fun Hulu horror movie called Good Boy with uh, Judy Greer about Ooh. an evil dog. We absolutely should do that. Oh, and we so gotta. Yeah, so she's in that, so I thought that, again, a fun horror um, recent uh, turn. And Haley said, is it time to change your number again? And Sydney says, no, I've just been getting a lot of calls because it's opening weekend. I think people oh. will calm down. But so she's been getting all of these crank calls, which, again, is going to become <sighs> confusing when she actually starts getting calls from Ghostface. And also, people are fucking assholes, and they absolutely would do this. Yes. Oh, I If they could find her number, you know I what I mean? I would not put it past... Uh, the American public to harass a woman who's been through all of this by pretending to be a killer. Like, awful shit. Yeah. So Haley turns on the news. Also, their dorm room is like my dorm room of like what I thought like my Ugh. fantasies as a teenager was. Like, Boy, it's did like they sell huge us ceilings, deal. <laughs> pink walls with like flamingo art. Like, it implies that they got to decorate their dorm room and it wasn't just like plywood and like a yeah. drop ceiling, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> She turns on the news, and it is an interview with Cotton Weary on the occasion of the release of Stab, because Cotton Weary was exonerated for the murder mm -hmm. of Sydney's mother, essentially by Gail's book. So yes. Gail published The Woodsboro Murders, reveals Cotton was uh, incorrectly incarcerated. Uh, now, of course, it would take years to get out of prison, because yeah, it would have to be whatever, but... The way this justice system moves in the movie, I mean, if only we had that kind of swift uh, yeah. fairness. <laughs> And so he's talking to an interviewer who is actually played by Kevin Williamson, who is the screenwriter. So I thought that was mm -hmm. fun. He got down a little cameo. I like that. And he's like, wow, Cotton, like, you must be so excited. Like, you get your life back. And Cotton says, um, I'll be honest, like, it's still, my life is still ruined. Like, yes, mm -hmm. I know I didn't do it. And, like, I've had all this evidence that I didn't do it. But people still treat me like a murderer. People think, like, well, the only reason you'd be in jail is if you did it. Which people do think that way yeah. still. But I hope there's a little more information about, like, innocent people do go to prison. Yeah. But he's saying, like, it ruined my life. So that's, like, our first thing. And Sydney's watching it. Our first moment of, like, maybe Cotton is not as over it as mm. you'd want him to be. Okay. Cotton might yes. want, I don't know, let's say a little bit of revenge. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously. Meanwhile, uh, I he actually, I called her Haley. Her name is Hallie. I just have a really hard time saying my own name. So I'm just going to, mm. it's going to be Hallie, but I apologize for calling her Haley. <laughs> it's also spelled differently. It should be whatever. So Hallie reminds Sydney that we're going to the martini mixer at the Delta Lambda Zeta house because Hallie is trying to rush a sorority. And Sydney's like, I don't want to do that. I don't believe in organized religion like that. Like, I, sorority stink. And there's a lot of, like, sorority fraternity jokes in this movie, which is really fun. I love that. And Hallie said, we're going. I'm not going to let you just hole up in your room and self-isolate during this weekend and, like, like, just answer the phone while psychos call you all night, you know? Right. Also, the drinks are free. And my mind is like, so we're going. You know? Yeah, right. I've never turned down free alcohol. A girl runs down the hall of their dorm and into them and says, check out the news. It turns out Maureen and Phil were also Windsor College students. They were seniors. <gasps> oh, no. And Which means the movie theater is in the college town that they're in. Okay, got it. And Sydney's first question is, where is Randy? 
So luckily, not only did Randy survive Scream, yes. he is also enrolled at, at Windsor, at Windsor. As of course, what else? A film student. Of course, he's a film student. Yes. So fun. So, you know, as soon as Sydney gets out of the dorm, there are reporters already waiting there, wanting to interview her. Be like, oh my God, like somebody's being inspired by like the story of what happened to you. And it's also like, what does she have to say to them? You know what I mean? She's, of course, like, fuck off and runs yeah. to find Randy. And we get this, like, fun, again, another meta conversation about horror. And we see this professor telling the students, you know, you could say what happened in, in that theater as a result of the movie itself. And Cece, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Perfect. It's like, that's so moral majority. That's, like, what conservatives think. Like, you cannot yeah. blame real, like, violence on entertainment. Right. However, two other students, including one of them is Joshua Jackson— Perfect. Are like, okay, yes, usually that's true. However, this murderer is literally wearing a ghost face mask, literally right. like is being inspired by actual murders. So you can't say this was not inspired by the movie in some regard. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, but I, you know, we cannot blame this depiction of something in a movie for this person. This person is choosing to do it, right. which I think is valid. Yes. And, and another student, Mickey, played by Timothy Oliphant, because this is another stacked cast. What he kind of, yeah he was supposed to be in college, <laughs> like yeah he, he definitely has I guess, that like no I guess that's right I mean for like I mean I'm sure he was in his 20s when he was playing this but like oh yes everyone is 29 28 29 yeah, yeah, yeah. okay great like the, that, nobody that here tracks. is 18 19 yeah, <laughs> yeah um right. but Mickey's like you know this is a classic case of life imitating art imitating life <laughs> and another girl says this isn't art like that girl was in my class like this is a reality right. and finally Randy butts in and says. I agree with you. Let me tell you about reality, Mickey. I lived through this. Life is life. It doesn't imitate anything. Unfortunately, Randy, that is not true in this movie or in the rest of the franchise. Yeah. Like, it, everything that happens happens because of the events of the first movie and, um, to a lesser degree, the depiction of them in film. Yes. Like, pe the more people know about it, the more interested psychos involved. are in being a right. part of this story. Yes. Um, and so Mickey says, with all due respect, the killer patterned himself after the two serial killers who have been memorialized on film, the movie that just came out. Yeah. Of course, referring to Billy and Stu, the killers in the first Scream movie. Right. And the professor butts in and says, so are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? That's not at all what he said. But no. I guess, much like in the first Scream, it's like, we got to move things along. Yeah, we got to make just a big some lead. lines. <laughs> yeah. And Randy says, stab two, who'd want that? Sequels suck. And then they have a big argument mm. about, like, what has the sequel ever been better than the original? And they throw out some ones that, I, you know, are, like, Aliens, sure. T2, The Godfather Part 2, you know. Everyone's, like, laughing and arguing. And just as the class ends, Sydney rolls up to talk to Randy. And as he's walking out, one of the other students says, well, Randy, how would you make the sequel better than the original? And Randy turns around and says, I'd let the geek get the girl. Oh, no. Truly a late 90s thing to say. Yeah. So outside, Sydney is already, like, on 11, at 11, which, uh, understandable. She's like, 300 people saw what happened and did nothing. They thought it was a publicity stunt. It's starting right. again. Randy's like, nope, this has nothing to do with us. It didn't happen to us. I, we are, we left Woodsboro, and I do not want to be dragged into it. You know, yes. like, people get killed at the movies all the time. And Sydney says, you're in denial. But, of course, Randy's going to realize pretty quickly that they yeah. are a part of it. Just then, Sydney's boyfriend, Derek, joins them, played by Jerry O'Connell. Oh, yes. And Jerry. he make they make out while Randy looks on, looking very, like, bummed. And he goes, like, get a room. So clearly, <laughs> Sydney's still not interested right. in him. 
Um, and now the entire campus is crawling with reporters. Oh, uh, thankfully, one of them is, of course, is now legendary Gail Weathers. Yes. Who we first see screaming at somebody on the phone, <laughs> ostensibly her producer, telling them they'd be stupid to pull that movie. With all this press, they're going to have huge numbers this weekend. So she's arguing they should not pull Stab from the movie, from the theaters, because, like, they're going to have blowout box office yeah, numbers. Yeah, it's going to be boffo. Uh, but, like, also, like, Gail, like, you almost died. <laughs> Gail like, is such a, and that's what's so fun. And again, I I don't want to say like move people be like this, don't do this. But I do feel like there is something now where like movies. I want people to be huge bitches. I want yes. people who we are rooting for to be like bad people or mean mm-hmm. or weird yes. or like off putting. It's just more interesting because like Gail's a stone cold bitch, but through the course of the movie, you are like she's still a hero and she still yes. is like has a good heart. And, like, is going to show up and do the right thing at the end of it. But until mm-hmm. then, she is all about the dollar. She is all about being a star. She also is all about having one of the most insane 90s hair color situations. The black and remember, maroon. Yes. And do you remember this was, like, late 90s, early 2000s, where people would have these thick, either a, a thick highlight or a thick yes. band of color. Yes. What were we doing? I don't know, but I remember desperately wanting that. Like, 100%. Yeah. The like maroon or like the dark, like the blue, the cobalt blue. Like, just, oh my God. Yes. Just like in your, just like randomly a chunk in your hair. And it, uh, why, why, why? I we don't know. Everyone I, did it. My, my version of that was, um, it also was an era because of Mandy Moore, and I will blame her specifically. Mm-hmm. P, uh, girls getting pixie cuts or like yes. really short haircuts that are kind of spiky in the back with a bang mm-hmm. that no one could pull off except for Mandy Moore <laughs> during yeah. that time period. The Kate That's Goslin. What, and I got that haircut, and I looked. It looked as as fine as it could look, but it was sort of right. like, why did somebody trick us into thinking that that was acceptable? I know. I had a very short haircut for a very long time, and like I am famously have very long hair in my adult life. And I think it's partly a reaction to, like, why. I was, I just remember, like, ripping pictures of Jenny Garth out of magazines and, like, showing up to my hairstylist and be like, I want this. And yeah. it's like, I look nothing like her. And it's like, She's really, what blonde. I want, yeah, it's like, what I want is to look like Jenny Garth. That's yeah. what I'm asking you. So whatever, however close you can get me to this, that's what I want. So Gail has her insane maroon streaks, and she mm-hmm. meets her new cameraman, Joel. And he's sort of a low—he just works for a local affiliate. He's actually never read her book, and he's not that familiar with the story. He is going okay. to find out all about it. Yeah, and she says, personal. Yeah, listen, Joel, this is how it works. I point you shoot. You're playing with the big boys now. And Joel's <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm really excited. Like, you're an actual, like, celebrity. Yeah. And as a result, Gail's being swarmed by all these other reporters, including fellow reporter and huge— Gail Weathers fangirl, Debbie Salt, played by the wonderful <laughs> Lori Metcalf. Metcalf. And she is like the reporter for the local paper, the Post-Telegraph. And she is all over Gail. And she's like, oh my God, I read your book and I was at your seminar in Chicago last year. Like, I am like your biggest fan. And, you know, Gail's kind of like politely listening to her until Debbie says, I, you know, I can't wait to see the movie. I mean, you must be getting quite a lot of flack on that, you know, with all the violence and cinema issues. What's your position going to be? And which is such a time capsule of a 90s issue. Yeah, like, really? has anyone talked about that in the last 25? Well, I mean, probably not since 9-11, where it's like, we had 9-11, it's like, who cares anymore? Like, right, right. It's like so many video games and, and murder films are no longer, you know, of, of top priority to people for why are we violent? But, like, I guess it does still... I guess, yeah. But, I mean, but it, it was, but it was a so huge depraved. conversation then. A huge, yeah. every time something came out, it like reiterated that, like, are kids learning violence from pop culture? 
Right. And that's also part of this, the, yeah. the theory of this movie. Yeah. Is that if, a, if someone were to see this movie and be inspired by real-life events, what, are, what responsibility mm-hmm. do we have to not pass along these violent images and these violent yes. thoughts? Which I do, and, and to, to your point, I mean, like, now it's sort of like, if there's a shooter or a serial killer, they people don't really publish their names as much, or mm-hmm. like they try to take pains to not name them yes. because it gives them celebrity that they wanted to begin right. with. And right. I think that that's that's a valuable thing to learn, to sort of about culture is like not to pass along these people as celebrities, right? Um, so you know, Gail realizes this bitch is trying to get a quote out of me. She's yes. not just like in my business, like flattering me. As a fan, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Gail says, you know what, actually, Debbie, I do have a quote for you. And she leans in and she says, here's my quote, no comment. And Debbie follows her. And so finally, (laughs) Gail whirls around and says, actually, you know, here's my quote. Your flattering remarks are both desperate and obvious, end quote. And Debbie's just like, gasp, and on, like, steps back as all these other reporters follow Gail. Just then, the police chief, Lewis Hartley, steps up to a podium with, like, some administrators to give a statement. And, of course, before he can even say anything, Gail's shouting questions at him, like, yes. do you think the killer will, will strike again? What precautions are you taking? And, and Chief Hartley says, as all police do in every horror movie, he has to try to play it down. And says, we think this is an isolated incident. I don't of know why course. the fuck you think that. Two people right. were stabbed to death in a movie theater, like, right. by a ghost a, face, you know? Yeah, in a movie about other murders that happened, you know, recently. Like, it's just like, okay, this is not some little, yeah. like, fluke. So, meanwhile, Mickey, who is friends with Derek, uh, Sydney's boyfriend, joins Randy and the rest of the gang. And that's sort of our core group, along mm-hmm. with Sydney and Hallie. And they're watching the speech, and they spot Gail Weathers, and they're like, oh, my God, she's back. Like, she's here to make a buck. You know what I mean? Right. Like, And now this ga- press conference will be a, a movie starring Gail Weathers. Yes. And Sydney says, be kind. She saves our lives. Yes. And Randy's like, and she has calf implants. I was like, calf implants? Another thing you haven't heard about. Yeah. I hope people are doing that. I mean, look, I'm sure your calves look very nice, guys. Yeah, you don't need calf implants. Just then, a gaggle of sorority girls, all in pastels, headed by Lois, who was played by, of course, Rebecca Gayhart. Perfect. And Murphy, played by Portia de Rossi, come over, and they greet mm-hmm. Hallie, and they're like, hi, Pledge. You know, they're immediately okay. like, uber bitch, yep. like, fabulousness. Um, and they're really pitching Sydney hard to rush their sorority, because she's kind of a celebrity on campus now. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God. They're like, this must be so hard for you. Like, all this fuss happening because of you. I mean, like, not directly, but, like, in a six degrees of Kevin Bacon type of way, this, Mm -hmm. you caused this. And Sydney's like, bitch, get out of, like, like, shut up. Like, what are you talking about, you know? Leave me alone. (laughs) And they tell Hallie, you know, basically, like, if you bring Sydney to our mixer tonight, well, let's just say you might both be getting into the sorority, you know? (laughs) And so Hallie's like, we are going to the mixer. You are my in- the horrific events of your life is my yes. in into the sorority. Yes, let's go drink Just whatever then, college students think martinis are. <laughs> I know exactly. It was like a martini mixer. My God. Oh. Yeah, it's just like absolute and more absolute. I don't know, yeah. like an olive. <laughs> Just then, Sydney spots the man, the myth, the legend, Dewey, arriving, arriving on mm. campus. And so they go off to talk, and he's like, yeah, I just want to make sure you're okay. I'm going to be like sort of advising with the police, like, I'm going to, like, see if I can help out in any way. And also, I want to stay here in case anything happens. Like, I just want to make sure you have support. Right. And she's like, yeah, well, everything's going well. The theater program's going great. Of course, she's, she's in becoming an actress. Okay. 
you know, I my new show opens in two days, and I'm dating Derek. He, she says, great guy, pre-med, no apparent psychotic tendencies. <laughs> and Dewey's like, okay, I just want to, like, please let me know, like, what you think. Um, also, he tells her, if a killer is trying to follow in Billy Loomis's footsteps, based on our experience, you know, a few years ago, you probably already know him or her or them. So like you said, Allison, these yeah. killer or killers are already in your life because they get off on that. Yes. And Sydney's like, do you think this is my first rodeo? But what am I supposed to do? Like, not have friends? Never date anybody? Right. right. That's also like, dangerous. Of course, yeah. So it's like, I'm doing the best I can, but also I have friends and I'm just going to, like, yeah. lie low. You know? Trust them. Yeah. So Randy then sees Dewey and he goes off to chat with Dewey and Sydney rejoins the gang just as Gil Weathers arrives. And Gil Weathers springs a surprise interview on Sydney Because oh, Gil God. Weathers... Listen, she saved her life, but also she's a stone-cold bitch and she doesn't care. Yeah. In, she but she doesn't want Sydney to talk to her. Instead, Gail steps aside and Cotton Weary, <gasps> who Gail reveals like from behind like a serial killer. Oh my God. Is there to talk to her. And Sydney's immediately on edge, assuming that Cotton might be pissed at her, you know? Yeah. And he, she said, Cotton's like, I just want to talk to you for 10 minutes. That's all I want. You know, and Gail says, wow, like the first time Cotton Weary is meeting Sydney Prescott, you know, since she wrongfully accused her of murdering her mother. Mm. Sydney's like, Gail, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. And Gail says, we want to know how you feel, Sydney. Tell us everything. What a And Sydney just punches her right in the face. Yeah. But bam, hits Gail again. You know, to call back to the first movie. A, a, a perfect punch. A perfect punch. Knocks her to the ground, like Love about. It. And then storms away. And Cotton says, Gail, did you not tell her I was going to be here? Gail had told Cotton, Sydney's on board with the interview. Sure. She knows you're going to be there. So Cotton's now pissed. Like, you made it seem like she knew. And and then, I, of course, she didn't want to talk to me. You know, and even Joel, the cameraman's like, that's really cold, Gail. Yeah. And Gail, there's a lot of, this movie, Scream 2, is all about people wheeling around on people, which I love. People Ugh, just whipping drama. around with, like, their finger in the air. And she's like, you need to check your conscience at the door, sweetie. I'm not here to be loved. Mm. Iconic. What a character. And Con says, well, you promised me 10 minutes. And, and Gail, again, turns, whips around on him and says, <laughs> you'll get your 10 minutes when I get my goddamn interview. She storms away five feet and immediately runs into Dewey. And also, let me just say, the locations manager made a meal out of this because, like, clearly it's just, like, they just shot all of it on a college campus. Yeah. And they're, this is all outside. Like, this is all the same, like, patch of grass. But, like, they've it. done it so artfully that you don't notice the fact that, like, she's essentially walked, walked 15 feet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they, of course, like, have this moment, and she's like, Dewey, I, you know— I'm so glad to see you. And, and he's like, why don't you leave Sid alone? And by the way, my name is Dwight. <laughs> She's like, I'm, I'm sorry, Dwight, but I'm just doing my job. And he says, no matter who gets hurt in the process. So we know that they had some sort of okay, falling out. Yes. yes. They are no longer, even if they ever were in a relationship, they are no longer. Right. And Gail's like, why are you so mad at me? And Dewey recites from her book by heart, page 32, Deputy Dewey filled the room with his Barty Fifish presence. <laughs> page 41, Deputy Dewey oozed with inexperience. And Gail's like, okay, it's a book. Like, I, you're overreacting. It's kind of like I was writing a character. And Dewey says, I don't think that's what happened. I think you're a money-hungry, fame-seeking, and forgive me, mediocre writer who's got oh. a cold storage shed where her heart should be. 
And Kale's like, come on, Dewey. Because you could tell, like, being around him, she's still, like, she's, like, kind of googly-eyed. Like, she does really like him. Oh, yeah. She also, Their chemistry is undeniable. Undeniable. And she's just, like, smiling being around him. But Dewey's right. still reasonably pissed. And he yes. whips around on her. He wheels on her. And he says, How do you know that my dim-witted inexperience isn't merely a subtle form of manipulation used to lower people's expectations, thereby enhancing my ability to effectively maneuver within any given situation? <laughs> So fun. And so Gail is like, kind of like puts her, like tries to put her hands on his face and he backs away. He is not ready to forgive her. No. Gail is like, I don't know what to say except I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And Dewey says, no, I'm the one that's sorry. I misjudged you. Yeah. If you excuse me, I have to go. So do some oozing to do. And he wheels around. And then he turns back around. He says, my favorite line of the entire movie says, and by the way, nice streaks. And he storms away. <laughs> so fun. That's so um, good. Somebody had to say it. So that night, Hallie drags Sydney to the sorority mixer. Lois, and which is an insane name, and Murphy are all over her. Like, oh, my God. Like, what's it like to have a serial killer be obsessed with you? Like, that's, like, very cool and exciting. Like, it's like, mm. girls, I'll, you get a pass because no. I guess you're 19 or whatever. Yeah, but no, it's not cool. Yeah. And um, Mickey is there as well as Derek shows up and later and they're listening to Dave Matthews band Ugh. and it's kind of just this like god why did we ever how did we get away with this you know what I, I mean know. like a cool an era. college party with uh, Dave Matthews band and Sydney's uh, you know Hallie's like I think it's good to be out like this is like the kind of environment you should be in and Sydney says I keep telling you I'm fine and Hallie says yeah fucked up insecure neurotic and emotional it's like okay we find <laughs> out that Hallie is like yeah she's basically Hallie is like uh, studying to become a um, psychologist so she's constantly analyzing Sydney. Of course. Unfortunately, while everyone's there at this big party at a different sorority house, the Omega Beta Zeta, all sure. everyone's out at different parties, and there's one sorority girl who is there. She is sort of the sober sister, so if anyone needs a ride, they can call her and she'll mm. pick them up. It Brutal. is Cece from film class, Sarah Michelle Geller. Okay. And she's chatting on the phone with a friend who is never seen, but it is Selma Blair, which I think is fun. It's like even the <laughs> friend you never see on the phone is a celebrity. Yeah, they really just like pulled out all the stops on this casting. So uh, somebody else calls in and Cece thinks it might be her, not boyfriend, but like a, a, a guy she hooks up with He's drunk, Ted. So she's like, I got to go. Ted's on the, call, on the line. <laughs> and of course, it is not Ch- Ted. It is Ghostface. And he sort of chats her up. And she's like, who are you trying to leave a voicemail from? And he's like, oh, I'm just calling. And I, I, are, you, are you alone tonight? And she, of course, reveals that, you know, she is. Yeah. And she's like, why? He's, she's like asking all these questions. And Ghostface says, I have a question for you. Do you want to die tonight, Cece? And luckily, Selma Blair calls back. And Cece's like, some crazy person is calling. And she and so Selma also says, it's a stab premiere. Everyone's acting insane. Yeah. Everyone's getting like weird calls. Hearing a creak from upstairs, Cece runs to the front door, out the front door. But the phone starts to break up because it's is just a dorm or a sorority house. It's a sorority house. a sorority house. house. Okay. And so she runs outside, but the phone, like, because it's just a cordless phone, starts right. to break up because she's too far. Of course. And she tries <laughs> to call campus security, but it keeps breaking up. So she's forced to go back into the foyer where she is surprised by a sorority sister named Donna. Okay. And here's where Cece makes some inex- unacceptable mistakes. Yes. She does not immediately just walk out with Donna. You know what I mean? Like, people That's will forgive crazy. you. Right. Like, oh, like, they're going to be mad at you because you weren't sober, sister. Better that than you being murdered in about five minutes here. Yep. 
Unfortunately, Donna leaves and uh, Cece gets another phone call. And I'm like, call security now. Like, run out now. Like, there's a lot of, like, there's like a little bit of time where she could have just bolted. But unfortunately, she's terrified and she's sort of like looking through the house instead of running out of it again. People would understand or just run out and just find somebody on the street, you know, is more safe. Right. But said Cece creeps through the first floor of the house trying to see if there's somebody there. And when the phone rings again, and when she answers it, Ghostface leaps out of a closet and chases her, where else? Up the stairs. Upstairs. Ghostface absolutely kicks her ass and then finally throws her through a window onto a balcony and then grabs her on the balcony and stabs her in the back before throwing her off the balcony onto the ground. Okay, Ghostface is extremely athletic. <laughs> like, like jacked, absolutely, and clearly loving it. And yes. much like in the this is what you first game, first game, you see Ghostface wiping the blood off the knife yes. in the iconic. iconic scream boom. Yes. Back at the sorority party, Lois and Murphy are like, oh my God, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they say to Sydney, which I thought, again, another fun Kevin Williamson moment, she says, you know, people think the sororities are only about blowjobs, okay? But it's not true. We promote safe con- uh, condom sex. And Lois stops and she says, but harmonica style is okay, right? And Murphy says, oh, totally. And I tried to look up what harmonica style meant, Allison. I guess I could guess. Well, what is your guess? I would imagine we're talking about blowjobs and it's not ever putting the whole thing in your mouth. I think that that's what Like going it, up and also- down the side like you're playing a harmonica. <laughs> Allison, I believe you've hit the nail on the head. I think actually, <laughs> I would. Did you did you write the Urban Dictionary definition? But yeah, I so wish <laughs> Murphy confirms harmonica style is okay. So we got that oh, going for us. Good for us. Randy arrives with a bunch of drinks, and Sydney's like, "Where were you?" Meanwhile, you know, Mickey's hitting on Hallie, trying to get her to dance with him, and she's like, "I'm good." We also mm-hmm. find out that Derek is in a fraternity. Derek just sort of has arrived, you know, to the party a little bit late. Mm-hmm. suddenly Lois and Murphy run and say, the police are swarming all over Omega Beta Zeta house. And everyone at the party runs to go check it out, which is gross, people. Yeah, I'd be like, I'll go However, the other direction. Yeah, the only people who don't go are Derek and Cindy, and Cindy goes back inside the party to get her jacket. And Allison, the phone rings. Allison, <gasps> what would you do? What would you do? I wouldn't answer it. <laughs> That's number one. Boy, you'd think so. You'd I'll think. tell you. Uh, I wouldn't answer it. I would run out to my boyfriend and be like, let's just go to a police station. We're just going there. And again, I'm not a person who trusts or likes the cops, but that is what I would do in this scenario. <laughs> I just also wouldn't pick up a phone in somebody else's sorority house or house I would in never general. do that just, yeah, from a general etiquette. <laughs> also, yeah, like, not for what, me. No, not for me. And like, what? Even if it's not a killer, like, then you're taking a message for somebody. Like, what's happening? Right, exactly. You gotta leave a it somewhere. You gotta put it in the fridge. Yeah. Ugh. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. 
All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. We cut to over at Omega. We see reporter Debbie Salt. And she is pumping the police chief for info, and she kind of gets a scoop. And so when Gail shows up, she's like, sorry, Gail, I've already got the scoop, bitch, and then runs away. Dewey also descends on the scene, and Gail's Mm -hmm. like, it's happening again. And Dewey says, you'd love that, wouldn't you? Better hurry up, Gail. You might get scooped. And this is when Joel starts to reveal, like, you know, um, I I don't think I'm really cut out for this. Like, I was hired to do an interview with Cotton Weary, not Faces of Death 14. Right. But Gail's like... (laughs) Follow me and don't fuck this up. Right. At the sorority house, Allison, Sydney picks up the fucking phone. I mean. And Ghostface says, hello, Sydney, remember me. It's showtime. And Sydney tells him, how about you stop being such a fucking coward to show your face? And hangs up. Unfortunately, Ghostface, who's right behind her, says, my pleasure. And attacks Sydney, like, slamming, slams the front door, locks it. So Derek is locked outside, cannot get back in. Oh, my God. She runs the back door, and Derek luckily has gone around the house. And Derek insists on running inside to chase Ghostface, just as Dewey runs up. Also, I should add that Dewey has, like, a little bit of a limp, and he has sort of, like, an injured arm from the events of the first movie. The Woodsboro, so, yeah. Yeah. So Dewey has, is not, he's not able to run very quickly, which yes. will come up later. He has um, an ongoing um, injury. So Dewey runs through the door, and he finds that Derek has been stabbed by Ghostface. And when Dewey runs through, the front door is standing open, and we see Lois and Murphy standing outside, kind of craning their necks in. Mm-hmm. At the police station, the police are interviewing Sydney and the rest of the gang about, like, what did you see? What happens? And Mickey sits with Sydney, and she's like, I knew this would happen. Derek could have been killed. And Mickey's like, well, he wasn't, you know? Like, he should know. It's the 90s. You can't run back into the house, you know, and play hero. I mean, who would have gone back into that house? And that's the first time Sydney's like, it is kind of weird that Derek ran back into the house. I don't know why he would do that. Unless, of course, well, I don't want to assume he's the killer. Well, whatever. (laughs) We'll get to that. So as he's getting bandaged up, um, Derek is quizzed by Chief Hartley and Captain Down. And Dewey kind of, like, looks on. And they're like, huh, that's kind of weird. The killer just sliced your arm a little bit left. That doesn't really make much sense, does it? Yeah. And Dewey says, but it's awfully convenient. And Derek's like, it's convenient how you showed up right after Ghostface left. Do you ever think about that? And it's like, those are convenient These are all things. very convenient facts. And also, it's like, we don't know what the, name, the word convenient means. No, we do not. The next day, Chief Hartley and Dewey are making like an evidence board of the name of the of the three victims so far. Okay. Gail, of course, bursts in. A lot of bursting in the <laughs> screen franchise, too. A lot also, of you can't really... just, like, walk in. Are they at the police station? They're at the police station now. You can't just, like, like, walk yeah, like... in to, like, an I... investigation. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it, like, in, as we'll see in Scream 3, like, they're sort of, like, called in. This, mm-hmm. Gail's just there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and yeah, right. she is the expert or whatever, but I'm sure the cops would be like, how did you even get it back here, you know? Right, how much ID do you have on you? Like, what's going on? Yeah. 
But fortunately, Gail is um, a genius. And she says, what was Cece's actual name? Because I'm assuming Cece was nickname. Allison. We see Maureen was the first victim. Maureen, <laughs> the name of city's mother, Maureen Prescott's. Phil Stevens for Stephen, Casey's boyfriend, which I don't think should count because Stevens is last name. Why not just yeah. make his first name Stephen? You know, right? I don't know why we're like adding an extra hoop to jump through to make that work, but sure. And then finally, Cece's real name is Casey. Of course, <gasps> Casey being played by Drew Barrymore. So the killer is killing the victims in the order that they were killed in Woodsboro. And Dewey yes. says. I think you have a copycat killer, Chief. And Chief Hartley says, again, every line of this is really funny. Like, every time he goes, Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, he's just so like, <laughs> God damn it. I God damn it. Not this. one of those. Um, so, Sydney, they put two detectives on her to follow her around. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm going to be absolutely honest, like, really, they should be following everyone else who has the names of the people who are in Woodsboro. Yeah. Like, Sydney's going to be last. Like, I could tell you, like, we right. know that because there were more victims before yeah. She was attacked, you know? Right. We're going to see, you know, uh, uh, what was Tatum's name? No, Tatum. That was her yeah, name. Yeah, Tatum. Tatum. Yes. We're going to see Is there a Tatum. Also, Let's like, find out. There's another Tatum in this small community? Like, yeah, I feel like there just weren't a lot of Tatums anyways at the time. So no. maybe it's like Tate or something, like someone sure. with like a similar, slightly similar name. And so Derek's like, God, it's really creepy to have these detectives. And Sydney's like, you know, I'll be honest, until this is over, I don't want, I, I think you need to, um, Keep your distance from me. Yeah. And I don't want you to get hurt. And Derek's like, okay, are you telling me that because you really don't want me to get hurt? Are you telling me that because you're concerned that I am the killer? Which is sort of what the police were insinuating. And Sydney's mm-hmm. like, yeah, one of those. One <laughs> like, of those. Probably one Won't of those. <laughs> and so, you know, he's like, all right, I, if that's what you want, like, that's fine. And so, you know, over at the police station, Gail's waiting for Dewey, who again tries to blow her off. But Gail's like, let me work with you. I know you mm-hmm. don't like me. But we are able to do this together. But Dewey's still not ready. He's just not ready to trust her again. Gail, meanwhile, has to run the gauntlet of the reporters who are now even more obsessed. Like, oh my God, there's been another murder. Debbie Salt is all up on this bitch. I mean, of course, Debbie Salt's around doing stuff. Listen, yeah, what else is she covering? You know what I mean? It's a small town. What else could possibly be going on that would require reporter coverage? (laughs) And she says, Gail, who do you think the killer is? Like, they tried to track down Sydney's father, but he's allegedly out of the country on business. If you remember in the first Scream movie, yes. her father was at a conference. No, he well, was he at was an kidnapped, expo. But he was supposed to be. Oh, in Mexico. Was that what it was? No, he was at an expo. Oh, I'm so sorry. An expo. And also, you never see what he does. And I'm going to be absolutely honest. I don't know why my mind chose this. In my mind, Sydney's father is a carabiner salesman. Oh, Like, those carabiners being, like, things you use for, like, yeah. um climbing or, like, mm-hmm. you hook it out of your water Keychain. bottle. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I don't know. So he's out of the country on carabiner business. Okay. And Debbie says, I mean, what about Dewey Riley? It's kind of suspicious he's here. And Gail wheels on her and is like, Dewey is a good person. Keep his name out of your filthy fucking mouth. Like, how dare you, Debbie Salt? I will kick your ass, you know? Gail, an icon. And Debbie points out, it's like, listen, if the killer's trying to re- repeat Woodsboro, it could be someone from Woodsboro. Debbie's not wrong, okay? That's Debbie's trying to put it together. Right. Say what you will about Debbie Salt, but she has a point. <laughs> the gang catches up in the cafeteria, and it's super awkward because, like, you know, like, Mickey's there, and, right. and like, it's, like, Derek and Sydney and their friends, and it's sort of, like, they're, like, Sydney and Derek are, like, weird, and also, oh, yeah. those kids are getting murdered. Right. And Mickey says, have we thought about Randy for the killer? Because he seems harmless, but so did Dahmer. Yes. And they're like, ah, okay. oh, it couldn't be Randy. Could it be Randy? We don't know. He does love the movies. And in this scene pulled from Top Gun, 
when Sydney okay. sits down, Derek starts singing to her, I think I love you, and gets up on the table, and everyone in the cafeteria starts clapping yes. and, like, cheering, and he yes. takes off his fraternity. I guess they, if you're in a fraternity, I don't know this. You have a necklace with, like, your letters, letters on it. I don't know if takes they still it off. do that, but sure. Takes it off, gives it to her, and they kiss, and everyone claps. And Sydney's like thrilled, and like obviously like won over. Like mm-hmm. okay, over in the student union, Dewey and Randy are trying to like strategize like what's happening, and we right. see a very fun interview with the star of Stab, who is Tori Spelling. Perfect. So it's Tori Spelling playing Sydney Prescott in Stab, across from Luke Wilson as Billy Loomis. <laughs> And Randy's like, oh, my God, at least they got David Schwimmer to play you. I just got some fucking nobody. Like, they didn't even get a celebrity to play me. I'm not even important enough, you know? That's really funny. And they watch, in the clip, it's Tori Spelling and Luke Wilson doing word for word the conversation in the school where Billy's like, I mean, moms leave Sydney. I mean, my mom left. And Sydney's like, your mother, your parents are divorced, bitch. My mother was murdered by you. Right, right. We We know that part now. We know that now. So then finally, Randy gives us the rundown of the rules for the sequels. He says, if someone's trying to make a sequel, we have to observe the rules of the sequels. <clears throat> Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are always much more elaborate. More blood, more gore. Carnage, candy. And number three, if you want your sequel to become a franchise, never, ever... How do we find the killer, Randy? That's what I want to know. Cut to the chase, Randy. you got to help me. we got to have names out here. Yeah, we so don't we never hear stupid number three. riddle about movie making. Yes, which is very funny. He's like, I, we, we don't need the monologue, Randy, right. you know? And Randy's like, okay, let's run it down. We have Derek, the boyfriend, of course. Mickey, he's in film class with me. He's the movie-obsessed freak, of course. If he's a candidate for a killer, both you and I are as well, because yes. we were part of the first movie. Yes. And Dewey's like, well, shit. And Randy said, well, what about Hallie? And Dewey's like, well, most serial killers are white men. And, he, and Randy says, that's why it would be unexpected. Okay. Okay. And while I'm on the, you know, throwing out the name of women, what about Gail? What if she's staging her next book in Ooh, order to be a star? A good theory. And Dewey's, yeah. And Dewey's like, no, Gail really is deep down like a good person. And Randy says, look, I know you're in love with Gail. Shut, shut up. I know you're in love with Gail. And I'm saying this as the unrequited love slave of Sidney Prescott. And both you and I have the scars to prove it. And he said, and Randy says, if you think Gail can't be the killer, then she could be a target. Over at the news van, Joel and uh, Gail are getting themselves together. And Joel's like, hey, I read your book. And um, you didn't mention your last cameraman was gutted. And she's like, oh, no, no. Um, he actually had his throat slashed. I, I, the gutting thing, I just was like, it's more evocative if his throat was slashed. He, he's like, he says, gutted, slash, it doesn't matter. The point is, he ain't in the union no more. So Joel's <laughs> like, um, also, I'm black. I'm pretty sure I know where this is going. I, I Every day, I'm like, should I keep doing this, you know? Yes, a, but good, Gail, a good thing to ask yourself if you're him. Yeah, but Gail argues him into staying, you know, like, this is this is the news. This is what we were built for. And Joel says, okay, but if something else fucked up has happened, I'm absolutely going to leave. Yes. Over in the auditorium, Sydney is trying to pull out of the show. She's like, it's too much. It's too much murder. And we open in two, two days. And she talks to her drama professor, Gus Gold, who's played by David Warner. And he's <laughs> the most perfect person. He's like, listen to me, Sydney. You're strong. I wouldn't ask you to do this if you weren't strong. And it says, the battle for the soul is fought in the form of art. Like, he's pitching her so hard to do She's this. She's like a sophomore in college. Like, who gives a shit? It says, at the risk of sounding like a college drama teacher, if you have the pain, use it. 
Cassandra is the role. She saw it coming. She had premonitions. She mm. knew she was cursed. It was her fate. And she embraced it. And so he says, ooh, you're good at this. He and does. he says, I have to be, I have no understudy. I'm desperate. But also, I believe you can do this. So he argues there, and we see the scene of the play. She's Cassandra. There's like a Greek choir with like terrifying yes. stone masks. And we have like an elaborate set up. Big budget, honestly. Yeah. Uh, must be a really good theater uh, department. And she is playing Cassandra, of course, in mythology. She could see the future, but she couldn't prevent it. And she yes. would try to warn people what was happening, but it didn't, it couldn't stop what was going to happen from happening, which, of course, yes. with Sydney, she can know what she knows. She can see, know a killer is coming for her, but she, she cannot can prevent it, stop unfortunately. It. And they're staging the scene, and the, these dancers are surrounding her when they have fake blades. And, of course, she freaks out and looks at one of them and sees that it's a ghost face mask, and she runs backstage. Yes. But when she looks again, it's just her, her nerves getting to her, so yes. she thinks. She runs backstage, and she runs into Derek. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, yeah. Mickey was supposed to be the one that was like, every every period of the day, a friend is like sort of following her, like okay. hanging out. That and it's like, special. oh, Mickey had some movie stuff. He couldn't do it. So he, he told me to come hang out. And she said, I think I need you to leave. So Sydney, obviously, at this point, thinks Derek is part of one yes, or, involved. you know, I mean, if the killer, one of the killers, you know. And he also, says, like, I guess I'm supposed to be understanding. The track okay, record you got for it. her is... The boyfriend. Yes. So Absolutely. I would already, if I were her, be like, well, my last boyfriend tried to kill me and killed a bunch of our friends and my mother. So my guess is my next boyfriend's going to try and kill me and kill a bunch of our friends. Right. And very reasonable. Yeah. Um, outside, Gail, Dewey, and Joel are meeting with Randy to sort of like, okay, let's strategize. Who, who, what are we doing? Who's the killer, you know? And Gail is chain smoking and she keeps getting calls from her producer. Like, I need, I need the, I need a scoop, you know, <laughs> like a, a producer would do. And she chains smoking too. He's like, "Why did you start chain smoking?" And Ray says, "Oh, it was after um, those nude photos of Gail leaked." And Gail said, "That was just my head. The body was Jennifer Aniston's." And there's a lot <laughs> oh. of Jennifer Aniston jokes sprinkled in the rest of the franchise, which is very fun. That's very fun. And you know, they're trying to be like, "Okay, so we're if we're going if we're leading up to the end, there was a big wave of bodies." Tatum. My cameraman, and Joel's like, I need everyone to stop talking about the cameraman being murdered. I am one <laughs> verb away from walking out of this. I'm going to get coffee and donuts and a Prozac. And when I get back, you guys better play it because I can't stand this anymore. So he walks off. And finally, Gail's been getting all these calls, and Randy can't stand the call, like the, the, the ringing of her phone. And he grabs the phone and is like, Give her a goddamn second. She'll call you back. And of course, it's Ghostface. Of course. And more importantly, Ghostface can see them physically right now. Oof. So to keep him on the line, Randy says, what's your favorite scary movie? And Randy goes off, and then Gail and Dewey run off, and they're trying to find anyone who's on a cell phone Mm -hmm. on the campus. But there's, like, a ton of students. Like, everyone's on their cell phone, you know, like, on a phone call. And unfortunately, they get separated, and, you know, Randy's trying to taunt Ghostface into, like, revealing something about it. It's like, oh, you think you're so great. Like, why would you copy two high school-ass losers? Like, set your sights higher, which is in the trailer. Bundy, yeah. Manson, OJ. Unfortunately, yeah. Allison, he is backed up to the door of Gail's news van. The van door slides open. Oh, no. And Ghostface snatches Randy inside and slices and dices him. Randy. And by the time Gail and Dewey and now Joel rejoins them with coffee, they realize they can't see Randy anymore. They run over and they see the window of the van is broken and Randy's butchered body is inside. No. R.I.P. Randy. I know. He was a great guy. He, he, did, great a, he did a lot for us. He but did. He, that's the problem is he, he knew that he knew enough 
but not enough to be like, I'm just going to go get in my car and drive away from here because I'm going to be burned, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I'd be like, you know where I'm not going to college? With the girl whose whole life was surrounded by murder. Yes, exactly. But maybe you got a scholarship. Yeah. In the library, Cindy gets an instant message, and she, and she asks the guy next to her, like, how am I getting an I am Like, I'm not signed in. He's like, oh, all the, it's, in, it's an interlibrary message. So whoever's sending you that message is here. And the message, of course, says, you're going to die tonight. The police can't save you. And she freaks out. And the two detectives, they whisk her away into, like, the, the hallway. And they case the library to see who was sending it. And just then, Cotton Weary sidles up to Sydney, oh, And he says, no. he's not there for revenge, though. He says, no. I'm here to pitch a joint Diane Sawyer interview. It'll be $10,000 each, but she won't just take me. She, she said, we have to do it together. That's not enough money. And Sydney's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. It's too much. Like, this is just too much going on. And she's like, hello, yeah. it's Diane Sawyer. What are you talking about? <laughs> and Sydney's like, why do you need more exposure? And Cotton's like, well, let me think. Because I was uh, on death row for a year. Yeah. I, I did a year on death row because of you. You can give me 10 minutes with Diane Sawyer. He is not wrong. And Sydney's like, I'm really sorry. I just can't do it. Like, I, I'm too overwhelmed. Yeah. There's too much. And he starts screaming, or he's like, oh, but it's such a good a- angle. Sidney Prescott's the world's favorite little victim. And, of course, the two detectives, like, run over and tackle him right. and take him to the police station. And Chief Hartley is interrogating Cotton, and he's like, you know, until you find me with a knife in my hand over a body, I still have rights. I'm not doing this again where I get fucking blamed for these murders that I did not do. Yes. However, now both the police and Sydney are like, is Cotton the killer? Like, right. is he out for revenge? Does he want to be a part of this and get something out of this? Yeah. And, you know, she they let him go, and he runs into Gail, and she says, like, Cotton, please do not do anything stupid. And mm-hmm. Cotton says, you know, you got me my freedom. Like, don't start having doubts about me now. Yeah. But even as Cotton leaves, like, you pitch a city one last time, and he's like, here's my number. Just call me if you change your mind about Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Fortunately, they're putting the campus on full lockdown so no one can go in right. or out, and the two detectives are taking Sydney and Hallie to a safe house. The idea is, like, if no one knows where they are, no one could— the ghost face can't find out and track them down. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Debbie Salt, <laughs> honestly, like, usurping Gail's role at this point, she tries to it. talk to Gail again, and Gail lashes out and is like, listen to me, local woman. I know you get a charge out of challenging me, but now is not the time. And Debbie's like, you're right, I'm sorry, like, I, I overstepped. I really am a fan. I didn't, I didn't make, make you upset. And Joel drops off the footage you shot, and he's like, okay, Gail, I'm leaving. I can yeah. see where this is going. And Joel's mm-hmm. like, no, you got to, Gail's like, you got to stay, please. And he's like, I'm going to be murdered. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, Joel's right. Like, Joel is right to Joel go. Joel is right. So. And he said, also, my news van has been impounded because it was a murder scene. So <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I can see where this is headed. Yes. So he literally calls a cab and gets in a cab and drives away. So we know that Joel is going to be safe. And, um... Dewey finds Gail, and then finally they have this moment. She says, I just want to find this fucker. I know you don't trust me, but I'm asking you, like, we have to do this. And he says, okay, let's do it. And he said, well, what's on this footage? Like, what are you shot? And she's like, honestly, the only thing we have is, like, B-roll of the crowd. And they realize, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, if the killer's been watching us the whole time, he will be in the crowd. Like, we will see someone on the phone, or we'll see someone, like, lurking around. It's hard because, like, everyone on campus has, like, been watching this, but— right. So they let themselves into the film school building, and they go to, like, a um, classroom, and they start playing the tapes. And, of course, they have a little moment, and they bump Mm. heads picking up a tape that they dropped. And they start kissing, and Gail tells them, I never meant to hurt you. And you know they start going at it. Mm. But before they can get down to business, on another screen, 
new footage that they're not playing starts playing, and it's someone filming Maureen and Phil in the line to see Stab. And then we see footage of somebody filming Cece at the sorority house. And then footage of Randy from inside the news van. We are seeing the killer's footage. Okay, got it. And Dewey runs up to the projection room, and there's nobody there. But unfortunately, Ghostface is nearby, and he immediately attacks both of them, and they're split up. And they're running through this this, um, classroom building. Yeah. And Gail makes it into what appears to be the school radio station. And she kind of hides in a room with, like, all of these tapes and recordings and stuff. But when Dewey makes it into the same area, he is on the other side of soundproof glass in a recording booth. And so Gail can't hear him as Ghostface attacks him. And she turns just in time to see Ghostface stab Dewey and sort of throw him up against the glass. And she screams. And she's barely able to turn over a shelving unit in front of the door before Ghostface tries to attack her. Holy shit. And then finally... Ghostface disappears, and she has no idea, is Dewey, is Dewey still alive? So the um, two detectives are taking Sydney and Hallie to a safe house, and Derek is waiting for them outside the police station, and he says, I want to say goodbye, and I just want to make sure that you know when this is all over, I will be waiting for you. And Sydney okay. kisses him, and he's basically like, okay, okay great. I believe you. Yes, we'll I'm choosing to believe you. As they leave, a mob of robed frat brothers descend on Derek, and apparently because you can't give away your fraternity letters to a girl, they haul him away to the frat, and they sort of put him up, like, a crucifix style on, like, a a, one of the, um, it's like a prop from the play that's sort of like a deus ex machina type of character that comes in to represent fate. And so they they put him up sort of in a, as a cruciform, and they all, like, draw on him and drink and, you know, sort of humiliate him. Right. And and a lot of the, the frats and the stories are using this as, like, an excuse to party. So everyone right. still goes oh, out. God. Everyone's getting nuts, you know? Allison, as Sydney and Hallie are being driven to the safe house, the patrol car stops, and Ghostface basically punches in the side window, kills <laughs> one of the detectives, and hauls the other one outside. And the girls are trapped in the back because it's a police car. Right. So you yeah, cannot you open out. the doors from inside. Right. Or get to the front seat or do anything. Yeah. You're right, trapped. there's like a metal grate in between the front and the back. Ghostface then proceeds to carjack the girls with a surviving detective literally clinging to the um, windshield, <laughs> and he drives it into a construction site, sending the detective, essentially getting, he, the detective uh, off the, on the windshield flies into a bunch of poles and gets skewered against the glass. However, it also looks like Ghostface has been knocked unconscious. Good. So Sydney and Hallie are trapped in the back, and they're able to pry the grate in between the front and the back seats. And Sydney crawls out, but the passenger side is jammed shut, so she has to <gasps> crawl over Ghostface to escape. No. Allison, they escape, and they run. They're like half a block away, and Sydney says, I want to know who it is. I'm going to go back and pull off their mask. Oh, my God. And Girl, Hallie this says— This is now on you. Hallie Brightly says, smart people run. Stupid people go back. We are smart people. We are not going back. We are fucking running. Yeah. But Sydney says, no, I'm done with running. And she walks back to the car. And Allison, at this point, I have to ask, who will survive? Who will survive? I mean, okay. Sydney will survive. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as Gail and somehow Dewey, because I think they're all in the franchise, like the rest of the franchise, or at least... One more. Um, yeah. I think Derek's going to die. Okay, great. And the um, roommate will see. survive. Hallie. Hallie. 
And you also have Mickey from film class. Is going to die. I think because, like, we got to listen to Randy's rules. The body count's got to be higher, so... And I what imagine. about drama teacher uh, Gus, Gould, Gus Gold? Oh, I think he's going to be gone. Bye-bye. And, and what do we think about Debbie Salt? Ooh. I could, she, I could see her dying. Great. Fabulous. All right, people. We all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference... Sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com, and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. All right, of course, when Sydney gets back to the cop car, Ghostface is gone, and she turns around just in time to see Ghostface fucking stabbing Hallie to death. Yeah, obvious. So Hallie, oh, the poor awful. roommate, she did nothing wrong. She was just trying to be a good friend. Did. Oh. Back on campus, Gail makes it out of the recording studio only to run into Cotton, who tells her, I found Dewey and I'm, I'm helping him. And Cotton, Cotton's hands are, of course, covered in blood. Right. And Gail's like, this motherfucker just killed Dewey. He's the right. one killing everybody. So he runs yeah. out and he runs into, of course, Debbie Salt, who's at a payphone, rips the hand out of Debbie's hand, uh, phone out of Debbie's hand, and is like, <laughs> Debbie's like, I'm in the middle of a story. And Gail's like, I've got your fucking story. The killer has gotten weary. And so <gasps> Debbie's like, oh, she had a scoop. Oh, my God. These women and their journalistic so, endeavors. I know. I love it. I'm just sort of like, it's great. Woody. Yeah, like, that's the kind of journalist I want. Someone who's so totally misguided about what's important. Just screaming um, who they think is uh, guilty of things at all times. Right, and also ignoring the fact that, like, you should leave because you're going to be murdered. It's like, yes. Gail, you shouldn't be here. Your Debbie own Salt, safety get out of here. should not preclude, like, a, yeah. a murder story that you're following. <laughs> So, finally, Sydney's able to run back to campus and runs to, like, the first building, which has the lights on, which is the theater department. Because she's like, okay, Gus is there getting ready for the show. You know, runs in. No one's there, even though, like, all the stage is lit. It's set. The music is playing. She wanders onto stage, and somebody sort of lowers the sets, blocking, like, her escape routes. Uh-huh. Okay. Suddenly, yes. a body descends from the ceiling, tied to a piece of the set, and wearing a golden mask. And Sydney pulls it off, and it's Derek. But he is Ooh. alive. Okay. He was, in fact, just put up there as part of his hazing. So he was okay. not being—it was, was the fraternity brothers who did it. Okay. Sydney unties him just as the actual ghost face arrives. <gasps> and he warns her, I wouldn't untie him if we were you. Do you really want to trust your boyfriend? A valid Which question. is a valid point. And Ghostface finally drops his voice modulator and pulls off his mask, revealing Mickey from film class. Oh. Of course. Rebecca Gayhart. He is sort of our— Randy no. is the sort of good version. Mm-hmm. Wait, say it again. Oh, no, wait. Mickey is Timmy, Timothy Oliphant? Yes. Mickey, okay. Timothy Oliphant from film class. Okay. He tells Sydney, however, you know, after Derek got grabbed by the frat, I had to do all this myself. Derek and I have been doing it all this whole time. He's been a part of it. But I had, was left to sort of clearing everything up. Derek is, of course, like, he's lying. I didn't do anything. Uh-huh. Interesting. And, 
And Mickey's like, okay, but let's look at this, like, rationally. I couldn't have done this all alone. And now Cindy's like, oh, was Derek part of this? Like, I again, I have very bad track record with boyfriends. Yes. And Derek yes. screams, when I get down from here, I'm going to kill you. You're dead. Unfortunately, Mickey pulls out a gun and shoots Derek square in the chest. <gasps> and all as right, he well, dies, yeah. See you, Derek. Derek tells Sydney, I never would have hurt you. Oh, Sid. Sorry, girl. I know. You are bad and at this. <laughs> bad, terrible. And Mickey tells Cindy, you really need to work on your trust issues. Derek was just the kind of guy you'd take home to mom. That is, if you had a mom. And Cindy's like, why are you doing this? Like, yeah, why are you, happening? why are you, you, like, you're trying to emulate Billy Loomis. He, Billy was a sick fuck just like you. Yeah. And Mickey tells her, no, Billy was a sick fuck that tried to get away with it. Mickey is a sick fuck who wants to get caught. Here is his villainous plan, Okay. He Ooh. says, I have my whole defense planned out. I'm going to blame the movies. Violent movies like Stab made me do this. Oh, my and God. And he says, I'm going to have Dershowitz or Cochran defend <gasps> me. Bob Dole will testify in my defense. Hell, the Christian Coalition will probably pay my legal fees. And that's what it's about. He's like, this isn't about this part. What, this is about the real the show next. is the trial. Interesting. Everyone, and it's sort of, it is like sort of like the Ted Bundy of it all. Like, yes. I'm going to, the trial is going to be such a fucking circus. circus. Everyone is going to know my name. And all these people are going to be like, wow, he it really wasn't his fault. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be able to manipulate everyone. And he's like really getting off on that. Yes. But Sydney tells him, yeah, you're forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis. I fucking killed him. Yeah. And Sydney has, without uh, Mickey noticing, has taken off um, Derek's fraternity necklace Mm -hmm. And then just whips Mickey in the face with it, like, scratching yeah. him, and makes a break for it. Unfortunately, Mickey is both a knife and a gun, and has oh. managed to, like, sort of wrangle her back to the stage. And suddenly— it's a knife gunfight. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna—they say don't bring a knife to a gunfight. I say you bring a knife and a gun, and you're prepared for every fight. Yeah, you know every fight that breaks out, you're good to go. Don't tell us any serial killers about that, or else—because no, it's actually good advice. bad idea. <laughs> suddenly, Derek, Derek's body gets hoisted up in the rafters, and Mickey says— could that be the mysterious guest waiting in the wings? And finally, we meet our second killer as they walk through the door. Allison, who is our second killer? Um, Cotton? Weary? Sydney turns, and walking through the door is Gail Weathers. But she is being held at gunpoint by the real second killer, Debbie Salt! It was Debbie Salt the whole time! Debbie! Debs! And you that's when people? we realize... That the only person who has not seen Debbie Salt this entire movie is Sydney. Oh. Because Sydney takes one look at Debbie Salt and says, Mrs. Loomis? <gasps> Debbie Salt is, in fact, Billy Loomis's mother. And Mickey but says, no nice twist, huh? Known that? I guess no. Well, so so Gail says, How is that possible? Like, I've seen photos of the woman, you were not her. And Sydney says, Well, I'll be honest, this is about 60 pounds and a lot of work later. And Debbie, who's wearing like a uh, like a beige trench coat, drops the trench coat to the ground, revealing like a really fabulous taupe suit, and says, "It's called a makeover, Gail. You should try it." Oh and I God. was like, "Yes." So Lori Debbie Salt is like just, just delivering that kind of line, delicious. And so yes, it is uh, Debbie Loomis and Mickey. And so Mickey's aunt, and basically Wait, when Randy explain, have recognized her. I don't. I guess we don't Maybe know. Not. It's okay. so hard to know. That's a great question. Holes. No, no, I think that's fair, but also, I don't, who knows, you who know? Knows? I don't recognize so, a lot of people that I know, so. <laughs> Listen, if somebody, yeah, if someone has a different haircut and is not wearing their glasses, I don't, I've never seen I'm them before I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> so, Mickey explains that he and Debbie Lewis met on the internet on essentially a website for serial killers, 
And Debbie basically commissioned Mickey to enroll at Windsor College to kill Sydney. So Mickey is like a serial killer for hire. And Debbie says, you know, there's only an estimated active 97 serial killers in the country. So Mickey was a great find. Wow. And Mickey's really excited. And he's like, I can't wait for the trial. And Debbie says, oh, Mickey, there's not going to be a trial. And whips out her own gun and shoots Mickey. Yeah. But of course, she's got to clean up the loose ends. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, she's not going to put this, yeah, risk all of this so that he can make some point about, like, violence and cinema. Exactly. She's got uh, better priorities. She's so smart. as Mickey collapses to the floor, he tries to return fire, and ends up shooting Gail in the side and sends Jesus. her toppling it into the orchestra pit. Oh, my God. Poor Gail. She's really been through it. I mean, yes. I mean, of course, she's loving this on another level. Yes. No, she's, it's the best. And so Debbie tells Sydney, My motive isn't as 90s as Mickey's. Mine is just good old-fashioned revenge. You killed my son. And Sydney's like, well, you're as crazy as your son is. You really did a bang-up job on Billy. And Debbie's <laughs> like, oh, everyone wants to blame the family. Blame the mother. Why don't you blame your mother, who slept with my husband and broke up my family, or yourself, since you killed my son? And she has this, like, villain, you know, space yes. like, you don't know what it is to be a mother, to raise them, to guide them. And then she said to abandon them. Because remember— she, Mrs. Loomis left. Yeah, That's why Billy was so fucked up. It's not right. like they got a divorce. She left her husband because he was fucking Maureen Prescott. Yes. So it's like this whole speech, the irony of it is, this is your fault. Like, yes. I mean, because if right. you're this crazy and also you abandoned him, then absolutely this is your fault. Yes. And Sydney looks behind Debbie and says, isn't Mickey supposed to be dead? Of course, you know, the most mm-hmm. basic of distraction gotcha. techniques when Debbie turns. Sydney grabs a prop glass and just fucking smashes it over Debbie's head. Nice. And then there's kind of like a, a, a short period of time where it's just absolute fucking mayhem. Like, <laughs> Sydney grabs a fire axe and she runs over to like the light and soundboard and she's just hacking it. So like the set's falling down, sure. like a lighting rig falls. Yeah. There's cables whipping everywhere. Yeah. Debbie like gets, uh, essentially gets hit by a collapsing set, but also it's clearly made out of styrofoam because it's right. like. It like barely actual, falls. Like yeah, gently. And also, <laughs> yes. It's like um in uh like Nickelodeon, like yes. the um what was the name of that where they had like the crag? Um oh, the it was like you play different uh, yes, legends. Is, is the, no guts. Guts. So it's it basically a gut style wall falls on her, but it's made out of soft styrofoam. Of course. But at least momentarily sort of like slows her down, and Sydney almost is able to escape until Debbie chases her back to the stage with a knife. And they wrestle, and both of them are sort of trying to get to Mickey's fallen gun nearby until suddenly mm-hmm. they hear a gunshot and they turn, revealing Cotton Weary. And he's got his gun on both of them. He's like, don't fucking move. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. I know I didn't do this. And Debbie holds Sydney at knife point, and Sydney tells Cotton, meet Billy Lewis's mother. She's the killer. And Cotton says, so you're not Debbie Salt from the Post-Telegraph? <laughs> Which is like, yes, catch it up. Like, <laughs> put it together. So Debbie tells Cotton, let me kill her. Once she's dead, you are the lead in the story. I'll say you're the lone survivor. Sydney is the one who killed everybody. And Mickey. They were in it together. You know, and think about it. Sydney sent you to prison. So if you were to kill her, I mean, it kind of, she kind of asked for it, you know. And oh, Allison. Deb. Cotton. Cotton points his gun at Sydney and says, this is quite a predicament you're in, Sid, because she's making a lot of good points. And I bet you that Diane Sawyer interview is looking real good right now. And there's this moment of silence, and Sydney says, consider it done. And then Cotton immediately turns and shoots, basically sending both flying. 
Right. But luckily, the only person, one person stands up, and it's Sydney. He has yeah. shot Debbie, Debbie. Salt, uh, secretly Debbie Loomis. And Cotton tells Sydney, just so you know, I would never have shot you or done anything to hurt you. You have to believe me. And Sydney says, give me the gun. And she goes up and she sort of walks over to Debbie to see if she's really dead. When Gail finally crawls out of the opera pit. <gasps> Gail, a survivor. Exactly. And Gail says, geez, you got more lives than a cat. <laughs> and Cindy also picks up uh, Mickey's gun. So now she and Gail both have guns. They're sort of eyeing Debbie. And yeah. they're like, is she really dead? And Cindy says, I don't know. They always come back. Just then Mickey leaps up, not Amazing. dead. Misdirection. They turn, and they just fucking blast his ass. I love it. And when they turn back to Debbie's body, Sydney just shoots Debbie right in the head. Yeah, just make sure. To, yeah, to a horrified-looking Cotton and Gail. Yeah, just in case. Yeah, she was right Finally, to do that. Finally, they make their way outside. It's morning. They find Joel, the cameraman, is back, and he's got a microphone for Gail. He's like, Gail, you're right. We can get the scoop. Also, I avoid being murdered. And they, just when they're about to start rolling, Gail hears Dewey calling for her, and the paramedics are wheeling Dewey How? out, and he's still alive. In a terror, I know exactly. Like, How poor bastard. would Dewey Barely alive, be alive? Clinging. And so they, the paramedics tells Gail, you know, actually, he would have been killed, but the knife was deflected by some old scar tissue. So those scars probably saved his life because it wasn't Aww. able to, like, go into actual— I know, and it's like, oh, that's what Aww. saved him. Dude. And the press all swarms in, and they ask her, like, how does it feel to be a hero? And she points to Cotton and says, that's the man you want to interview. He's the hero. And they kind of, like, nod at each other, and she walks away. And everyone runs over to Cotton. He's like, I'm sorry, but there's a time and a place and a price for everything. But I'll tell you one thing, it'll make a hell of a movie. And then Cindy walks safe once more across campus. Unfortunately, all of her friends and her boyfriend are dead. Are dead. So it's sort of like, yes, she she survived, but dear God, like, At, to what like she end? had to go through so much. It's and like, that how, is the end. How could you sleep at night ever again? I don't know. I simply don't know. Allison, wow. what are some fatal mistakes that you think? Any one of the many, many characters of this movie, because this is, like again, a cast yeah. of thousands. Non-stop. Uh, type of film. Fatal mistakes. I mean, again, like, I would just, the second that there's a murder anywhere near me, I'm leaving. Like, I'm getting yeah. in a car. I am driving to, like, the next city. I am, like, calling everybody I know. I am get like... Why are you hanging around to see what happens? 100%. Um, I think we've already said this, but uh, Cece not running out of the sorority or yes. telling Donna, like, can you yes. just wait here and we'll call campus security together? And like, together. yes, maybe we'll both get killed, but like, tell somebody express, yeah, two against one, better odds for you. Um, I, yeah, I think, yeah, like Randy, why why would you stay? You know? Yeah, Randy, I think it's, like, get out Gail, of there. Gail and Dewey, like, they're, like, I think, like, because he's a cop and he's, like, such a good person and Gail is such a news hound, mm -hmm. like, has to be a part of it. I understand, like, why they stay. But, like, Hallie, I would have left. You know, yeah. even Derek, I'd be like, I had a great time, gal, but, like, I'll see you yeah. when this is all wrapped up. There's you know a what lot I mean? more than I signed up for. Yeah. So I say not prioritizing your own safety when yeah. you are f the friend and loved one of Sidney Prescott would probably yeah. be mistake number one. Yeah. Huge mistake. And then finally, where would you put Scream 2 on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. Oof. I mean, it feels like a like a four or five. There's a lot of mm -hmm. fun. There's some there's some pretty brutal deaths. <laughs> there um, sure are. 
Yeah. What about you? Where would you put it? I, boy, I'm going to say, because again, as we always say, the spooky scale is uh, reflective of yes. how scary a movie is and not, not quality. how good it is. I, I'm going to say a three because okay. I do think there's some, like uh, when Dewey's being stabbed, you know, on the other side of the soundproof mm-hmm. glass, that's a very horrifying moment. But, like, the meta element, and I've said this before, just makes it fun. Like, so it's like, yeah. I'm having a great time. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, the so the kills themselves are, to me, still effective, but there's so much that's about, like, the mystery of it. Yes. And, then, and that's why, like you said, Allison, I do think you could probably watch this movie. You could absolutely watch Scream 3, um, okay, which, again, great. we're doing next week, because it's more of, like, a murder mystery. Yeah, it is, like, the thriller, the thriller piecing thing. it together. Right. Versus the, in the first Scream. Yeah, where you're yeah. more concerned with, like, who's doing this and, like, what are the twists and turns of, like, the plot versus, like, yes. just the general, like, you know, gore and killing for gore and killing's sake. Yeah, and that's why I think the first Scream gets compared to Giallo's, um, which I love as a subgenre because a Giallo is almost, like, you. it doesn't matter who the killer is. Like, you right. are watching it for the absolutely gruesome, bloody kills mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. these unsuspecting... yes normal people who are yes. drawn into a psychopath's, like, plan. So, I, I, in that way, the first one is like, yeah, you can't really figure that out. But these, it's all about figuring it out, which is yes. super fun, but much, um, less scary. A lot less scary. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, guys, um, yeah. we hope you enjoyed it and hope yeah. you continue to enjoy Scream uh, yeah. Month. Scream uh, we month. sure are. And please leave us uh, your five-star spooky review. We are very excited to read um, the new ones as we find them. And we will yes. definitely get to yours eventually. Yes. And, and yeah. Listen all month to uh, one through four. Then join us for the live show on February 27th. Yes. Um, where we will we will ruin the latest uh, in the Scream franchise. Scream. Yeah. Five. Or, or as originally it was going to be called, Five Cream. Five Cream. Um, so yeah, join us for that. Uh, tickets at momenthouse.com slash ruined. And, and uh, until then. Until then, I gotta ask. Keep it spooky. Night. Night. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh. Like artist Priscilla. This smells like houses in the Hampton Champagne toast down in Brazil Smells like anything you think could happen Probably will Explore the new Glade Fresh Collection today.